Good morning and welcome to FBC Gather Online. My name's Amy, I'm one of the pastors here at Fleet Baptist and we are here to celebrate today. Today is Resurrection Sunday and we are gonna celebrate. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I'm gonna ask you to turn to chapter 28, Matthew, um, and we're gonna read the first 10 verses together looking at the morning of Jesus's crucifixion. So let's read. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Love, love, love those verses. Um, three things I'm just going to reflect on this morning. Three things that immediately jump out for these women as they encounter Jesus. The day, uh, the day of his resurrection, they encounter him and there's three things I want to say. That they are told to believe, that they are told to share and they are told to rejoice. And that's all we're going to unpack this morning. So let's start with the first one, believe. I don't know if you were like me. But I am constantly surprised by how many times I can read the same passages of scripture and find things that I've never seen before. Whenever um, I read a, passive, a passage of scripture, I always look at the context uh, in which it is placed. So I read before um, the passage and I read after it. And as I read the passage before, as I read Matthew 27, 62 to 66, I couldn't believe how little I'd noticed it before. Um, and so I want to read it for you now. I know we've just read Matthew 28, but the context here is really key. It says this, it says, The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, the, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Can we just acknowledge how mental this is? Have you ever seen it before? Because somehow I've skipped over it and I've not realised its significance. And it is astonishing for me, for me it's astonishing that while the disciples had failed to understand all of Jesus' predictions regarding his death, the Pharisees didn't. Not only also did they understand them, but they remembered them. Those Pharisees, those people that had opposed Jesus in absolutely everything he did and did absolutely everything in their power to stop him whilst he was alive, uh, they were still doing that when he was dead. When he was dead, they were still trying to oppose him. Even in his death, they wanted to stop him. In fact, these Pharisees went to Pilate on the Sabbath day in order to carry this out. You know, no other incident in the gospel 
story more plainly shows how desperately eager the Jewish authorities were, were about totally eliminating Jesus. You know, in order to make certain that he was finally out of the way, they were willing to break even their own most sacred law. You know, I don't know uh, whether they believed Jesus was the Messiah or not, but this was important to them. To them. Why else would they go out on the Sabbath to do this? Breaking their own law. You know, I find it so interesting that they call him the deceiver, the one who lies, and yet they are terrified of what he said he was gonna do. What I do know for sure is that they were afraid of Jesus' influence. This last deception will be worse than the first. If all they were afraid of was the disciples faking Jesus' resurrection, then they really, really didn't have anything to worry about. It was the furthest thing from the disciples' minds. But yet in all of their worry, worry about what the disciples might do in faking this resurrection, they'd failed to realise one thing. In all of their worry about all that might happen, they'd failed to realise this. That there isn't a tomb in the world that could imprison the risen Christ. Amen? Going back to Matthew 28, the stone being rolled away, I just want to make this point, that the stone being rolled away wasn't about Jesus walking out, but that's so that Mary and Mary could walk in. You know, we have to understand that there is no plan of hell, no scheme of man that could ever stop what God wants to do. It's a hopeless assignment. Why is that passage before important? Because we, we need to understand that every human effort was made to stop Jesus rising again, and yet nothing stood in his way. Nothing stood in his way. You know, we've got to believe that he's risen and has overcome everything, even death. You know, I love the tiny, tiny details of the Bible. I love specifically that it tells us that Mary grasps onto his feet, that it clutches onto his feet. Why do I love that? It's because it shows that this wasn't a ghost, this wasn't a vision, it wasn't something she imagined. She could tangibly touch Jesus. He was real, raised again in front of him. Mary, believe, I'm here, believe. You know, when Jesus is in front of him, what does he say? This is really important, it's my second point. He says to share. He says, go, go and tell, go and share. In fact, in Matthew 28 alone, the command to go and tell is mentioned three times. What I know about the Bible, if it mentions it once, it's important because it's in the Bible. If it mentions it twice, it's really, really important. If it just mentions it twice, sort of two times, different places in the Bible. If it mentions it three times in the same chapter, it's flippin' important. We need to go and tell, and yet going and telling isn't, is somehow something that we're really afraid to do, isn't it? You know, um, during this kind of corona season, um, I've been calling my grandchildren a lot. He lives by himself, so um, I've been annoying him. And actually, I have to say, I've been really enjoying our conversations. Um, my grandchildren is a preacher, and he cracks some great one-liners. He's a man of, full of wisdom. Uh, one, 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 uh, actually, the last kind of one-liner that he said to me was, Amy, soon we won't need churches. We'll just need studios in which to produce church. Um, I think he's pretty, pretty accurate on that. Um, she says, talking to a camera. Uh, but one, one of his one-liners has really stuck with me. 
And Grancho, I did tell you I was going to use this, so I hope you appreciate it. Um, he, he said to me, he said, Amy, it's not corona that we need to worry about. It's not getting it that we need to worry about. It's the spreading of corona. Because as Christians, we have a far better thing to be spreading. We have a far better message to be spreading. And isn't he right? Ernest Augustus Barnett is so, so right. We have a message to be spreading. And I need to ask you, do you realize how great the message you carry is? You know, if I had a cure to cancer, there is no way I would keep it quiet. And yet I do. You see, I, in Jesus, have a cure for cancer, for depression, for loneliness, for abuse, for poverty, and for anything else that troubles you. And I'm not being flippant here. I've realized that these are really serious things. I carry a scar on my neck because I had one of them. What I want you to tell you is that my, I, tell you, I want to tell you that, that I have the cure because I know that every single need I have is met in Jesus. I want to say that again, every single need I have, every single situation I will face is met and overcome in Jesus. Because I want to tell you this, because my Jesus, the Jesus that I believe in, he lived on this earth performing healings and miracles. My Jesus died to take away my sins. My Jesus defeated death once and for all. And my Jesus rose from the dead. So tell me, please, please tell me, what can my Jesus not do? <laughs> my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. So tell me, why am I being quiet about him? You know, um, I'm not very active on social media apart from Instagram. I really enjoy Instagram. Um, and I actually had a really recent conviction that um, I post a lot on Instagram, but hardly ever about my faith. I felt really convicted about it because on my Instagram, on, on, uh, people following me come from all walks of my life. That's kind of the nature of our social media, isn't it? That we gather people from all walks of our life, from when I used to work at Asda, from school friends to kids that I've met at CUs and different people and everyone in between. And they are at all different stages of faith. And I tell them about when I've organised my sock drawer and the latest pub that I've enjoyed, but I haven't told them often who is this Jesus that I believe in? And yet it's the most important thing in my life. You know, we need to become intentional about what we're sharing. We need to be intentional about it. It doesn't mean we need to rant and rave. It doesn't mean we need to ram things down people's throats, but we do need to bring it into the conversation because the message I carry is important and it shapes me. So why wouldn't I share it? You know, um, I was convicted over Instagram, but I was far more convicted. My, my nan, um, my mum's mum, uh, was diagnosed with bowel cancer this year, and she is in the last year, probably, of her life. She currently does, uh, doesn't follow Jesus, and nothing brings clarity to why we should bring a message than a situation like that. And so now when I go and see her, now when I go and uh, encounter her, I, and, and we spend time together, I'm really intentional about bringing Jesus into the conversation because I know that my time is short and limited with her. And because I know that the message she carries will change her life forever in this life and the next, and that is important to me. 
You know, I don't need to secure her salvation, but I do need her to know what I believe. We don't need to wait for people to, to be at death's door to tell them about Jesus. In fact, I think that's the worst thing we can do is, is because it comes a bit of a rush. In fact, I think we just need to bring Jesus, the message of Jesus, who Jesus is, into every conversation if we can. And I'm not talking about, you know, constantly turning everything back, but just using every single opportunity to give glory to God, to introduce him to people who don't know him. Every opportunity that we can, in natural ways, because my Jesus is natural. You know, There's, it's, um, it's really natural to bring him into the conversation. What did you do last weekend? I went to church. Why? Because I believe in this guy called Jesus. You know, what's important to you? Jesus. I could go on. I'm not going to. But do you understand? Like, we don't, it's not about ramming things down the, the throat, but it is about saying, this is important to me and I want to share it. You know, most of you who know me will know that I love certain things. And you know it because I tell you about them. I love my Jesus far more. So therefore, go and tell. And the really final one is a really simple one which is rejoice. Jesus told Mary and Mary to rejoice, to celebrate. It says this, doesn't it, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We're in a really funny season right now. We're not actually physically meeting. And, it, and honestly, it sucks a little bit, you know? But we have something to rejoice about. Even in my worst day, I have something to rejoice about. We need to celebrate the message that we carry. Guys, it's such a great message. Rejoice in what he has done because he has risen. He is Lord. Oh, this, the words of this song keep going around my head, which is that he is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead and he is Lord. And every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in it always. No matter what your situation, no matter what you are facing, because he is Lord and he has overcome it all. Come on. Come on. And so that is what we're going to do now. We are going to rejoice. And so as we come to take the bread and the wine, we're going to do this rejoicing. We're going to do this rejoicing because of all that he has done. I know that sometimes we um, approach communion in quite a somber manner, and that is right and fitting at times, but it is also right and fitting to rejoice sometimes. And today is the day we celebrate his resurrection. And so we're going to rejoice as we do it. So please... Um, Grab whatever you can to act as bread and wine. It doesn't need to be bread and wine. It can be biscuits and Coke or, I don't know, crackers and water. Whatever you've got will work. But we're going to say this. Let's take the bread. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your body to carry my sin. I thank you and I praise you. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your blood, creating a new covenant in which I enter into and live. I thank you and I praise you.
Jesus, I thank you. I believe you rose again, and I commit right now to share the message that I carry. And I will rejoice in you always. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on Easter Sunday. It's been such a pleasure to be with you online. Let's go out, let's believe, let's share, and let's rejoice because, oh my word, is it a message that we carry. Amen.